You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 736, an intro to superhero role-playing games. Welcome to episode 736 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am Roll for Initiative, lad. Woohoo! I uh, took the time to dig out all of my uh, my uh, DC uh, RPG stuff, and uh, it's quite a stack. So you have a nice, nice uh, stack you got there. Yeah. Hey, now. Like and that. as I go yeah. through it, I'm like finding notes from old game sessions and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Love- so. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. I love that stuff. <sighs> Good times. Indeed. All right, over to you, sir. Hi, everybody. My name is Darren Allel, and tonight I am your dungeon master. No. And it's up to me to lead this discussion today, so that's, that's where I am. And obviously getting ready for uh, Turkey Week here. I bought a lot of food. Oh, yeah. I had to fight off people. I couldn't find the dark brown sugar. My world was almost about to crumble. Then I found it. On an end cap at the very bottom, buried in light brown sugar. Those bastards. Sons of Found bitches. it. Found it. Ah, only took an hour in the grocery store today. <laughs> I had to get them for the church folks did, because good lord, can't do anything when they're there. That's just crazy. So, all right, over to you, Michael, in the very loud place you are. Hi, everybody. Uh, Michael Grabois here, and today I am the white zone is for loading and unloading only, lad. Uh, I am currently in the Nashville airport in transit between Detroit and Houston. Uh, I was up visiting my sister and to see a football game, and it snowed while I was there, and it was cold, like below freezing. Mm-hmm. So Texans don't do cold very well. Teacher um, weather, right? I, I did. I did not ask for snow, and I did not ask for <laughs> wind chill factor in the low teens. And Was it I wanted a to bit nipply. <laughs> and well, you I wanted for to free. I wanted to speak to a manager, but I couldn't find <laughs> the manager of weather. <laughs> that would be Paul. And uh, <laughs> so I was. I was all bundled up in the stadium, which was outside, and I had my my long johns and my sweatshirt and my layers and hoods and hoodies. And, and I was toasty except for my feet. My toes were cold. Yeah, you always forget, got to take care of your feet. Your toes are your most vulnerable area in the, in the, in the cold. And so uh, fortunately my sister who lives up there has some uh, toe warmers. Mm. And uh, there you go. so I was able to stick them in my feet or stick them in my shoes and keep my toes warm. Did you say but, uh, stadium? Do you go to the Bills game? Uh, no, I went to the uh, University of Michigan college game. Oh, that was a good game too. I hear or I saw some of it. Um, it it was a good ending in that the good guys won, but <laughs> right. but, yes. but they didn't play well. Hackneyed writing. Yes, the, the their score was higher than the other guys' score, which is all that really matters. And uh, so I'm done with uh, with the cold for for a while. I'm going back. I'm going back where it's warm in the winter time, like back in the 40s and 50s. That's Fahrenheit. I don't can't do conversion. Yeah, don't bother. So, You're in the states. It's fine. Yeah. 
I, I can't help it for those who speak Canadian, so sorry. <laughs> those who use proper temperatures, exactly. <laughs> all, all I know is that it was below freezing, and that's I know that's zero. So there you go. There Look you at go. you. Look at you. You've grown. Yeah, thank you. I know that. <laughs> and I know that negative this weekend. So hey. And I know that negative forty is the same in both. So. Mm. Mm. And it was definitely not 100 degrees. All right, we'll have a safe flight home <laughs> and all that rot. Yeah, so I will not be uh, be present for the discussion today. I will have to listen to it tomorrow. You're not appearing on this podcast. That's Take Travis. Drink, everybody. Take a drink. That's Travis not appearing on this podcast yeah, at all. That Travis is on a mission in deep Disney. Yes. So that is it for me tonight. Uh, uh, the red zone is over to you, Jim. Hey everyone! We're loading and <laughs> loading and unloading. Yes. Hey everyone, I'm Jim Purcell, and this week I was shit. I got to rewatch Willow Lad. Oh wow! Uh, because because there's a new series coming yeah, out on baby. Disney today. Yep. Tomorrow. Yep, uh, I haven't watched Willow since I was a kid in the '90s and saw it in syndication on like WPIX. Right. I've uh, never seen it. Wa- it has been a while. Uh, to be fair, though, I did not learn anything I didn't remember rewatching that movie. Willow's weird. Willow's a good movie, but it's not a movie that I think ever really finds like it's not, it's not a movie that excites me. It's a very standard 80s kids version of Sword and Sorcery is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely got that 80s fantasy vibe. And it really kind of reminds you of like um, – how big of a leap Lord of the Rings was oh, when it came totally. to totally. F- fantasy it, on the big screen. Willow, it looked like they were filming out in like uh, someone's backyard. Honestly, oh yeah, most of the time. <laughs> and they probably were to save money, honestly. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, because it, it's a Lucasfilm, uh, but it, it it's it it's got some interesting effects going on, and you know it's still the era, so you you see the matte paintings and you see the the green screen effects and uh, you can tell when the, when the, when the, uh, when they're doing like rear projection and crap like that, you know, it's got its charms. It's Willow. Yeah, uh, yeah. The trailer for this new series looks hype. I'm actually really excited <laughs> for it. Um, I, I hope it's a similar like uh, jump as like when uh, dark crystal came back because that TV series was phenomenal. And the fact that the, the pandemic basically got it killed really yeah. sucks. Uh, so this could be a sim- yeah, this could be a similar like okay movie, classic movie, but not an exciting movie. Really good TV show adaptation. We'll, we'll see, we'll see. But it was nice to revisit Willow. Uh, Absolutely, it's got me somewhat into a fantasy movie. I might watch some more '80s fantasy. Like I still haven't watched Excalibur. I should probably watch Excalibur. You should. You really should. It's a it's a really good movie. Well, Helen, and this was Helen Mirren rocks Morgan Le Fay in that movie. Mm, yes. Um, we saw um, when we went to see Wakanda last week. They had the trailer for uh, the new Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the kids were were like, "Oh, that looks, you know, like that." Yeah, I like that. And Jan was thinking, like, "I think they're ready to see Willow now." <laughs> yeah, I think they are. Yeah, and, yeah uh, probably. Yeah, directed uh, by little Opie Cunningham, Sex Machine, <laughs> as Eddie Murphy used to call him. <laughs> are you um? 
with Dungeons and Dragons kind of be, being very popular with young people right now, are your kids at all like a familiar or into it? No. Do they watch no, like Critical Role or anything? No, no, they're more. They're still really stuck on like uh, Minecraft and and that sort of thing. I see. Uh, yeah, and they're already becoming boomers. Well, I guess, wow. but um, Minecraft yeah. is old news. Hey, oh, hey sure. leave Minecraft um, alone. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, like um, Ella just uh, like they were they were both at a scout camp this weekend, and it yeah. was because um, the the guy their their scoutmaster is basically uh, like he works for Fan Expo, so oh, it cool. was a magic and uh, a magic and board games camp, and so nice. there was a lot. They you know they they each got uh, you know uh, starter decks for magic. Now oh, Ella already they- got hers a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and his and also um supplemented because her cousin was like i'm not into it anymore here have my cards oh wow and, um, oh, that, so that's... did she play magic because i remember you saying they were playing pokemon uh within like, yeah uh, yeah they're both into that and uh ella's really into magic and uh and nice. I, and I, I generally play it with her. I really don't understand it. So I, oh. I always like, cause we, we play like, she hasn't touched it in almost a year. Yeah. And then she went to this camp and was just like, I want to find my cards. Cause she's just yeah. into it. Right. So she started showing Sarah earlier today while we were watching football and, right. and, and that game fell apart. And so <laughs> I said, well, okay, well we'll play later this week. And that's okay. Uh, Paul. I'll yeah. teach you about, I will teach you about the stack. The stack Ma- what matters. Magic has become now. I remember when it came out. Magic has become a very difficult game to comprehend. Well, ma- magic just because is, it's gone on for so long. Yeah, there are exactly. a lot. There are a lot of mechanics that have been added. Now, the good thing about Magic, or at least back in my day when I played it regularly, like ten years ago, yeah, they cycle the sets, so you don't have to deal with all the rules all of the time. You just have yep. to deal with the current rules the that current. are in like the last two years. Yeah. Which, which helps makes it saner. But when you're young, like your kid, you're going to have a yeah. lot of cards from a lot of places. So that does require yeah. you to kind of know what everything does. The good news is they usually write the rules on the cards, so they aren't like too it's, hard to figure out. Yeah, but. I know it. I, I know it. Like it's like I said, it's been a while since I've played it with her. But I, when I did, it was fairly easy to get into the swing of it. Yeah. If, I, yeah. if I'm getting kind of aggressive, it's because I kind of love magic. Uh, <laughs> no, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, and, the, and the reason I like magic is because it, of, of all the card game systems that came out, magic's the one that has endured the most, except maybe Pokemon, but Pokemon did come out later. But the reason why it's endured so much is it's a very flexible game system. You can add a lot to it without, yeah. uh, without like making it like, like hard to use. It's not like Yu-Gi-Oh, which is just impenetrable. Yeah. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh is a great show, but a really difficult card game. Yu-Gi-Oh cards have like essays written on them. It's yeah, insane. Yeah, they do. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And, and I would say that um, Magic also has more flavor than a lot of the other. There's world building on those cards. No, oh, there it's is. Back, back when I, I played, say, like, yeah, the stories that they would like wheel, wheel uh, um, they would. Um, they would like weave into like uh, yep. just a flavor text of the cards. Exactly. That was like, like, oh, that was like half that the, the cool factor. Yeah. And then four, four issues later or four, you know, versions later, so, you'd get a follow up to that one sentence. It's like, Oh, Oh, oh that's, what, that, oh. What, that's yeah. what that was leading to. What exactly. a revelation. Exactly. So, I mean, that's Bravo to them. Bravo to world Wizards of the coast for inventing crack. So mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> this they invented the say, gotcha. now I admit, 
gay man not having kids unless they're out there and I don't know about it already. Um, so my advice to every parent uh, yeah. in a hobby shop was if your kid's collecting magic cards, reading comics, or, or doing games at home, you don't have to worry about them being a drug addict. Yeah. All okay. their money is going to this. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're still, you know, you're still buying three packs a day, but they're Far, just, they're not. But it's a legal addiction, and that's better than an illegal addiction every day, in my humble opinion. Don't just say no. Mm -hmm. just, uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. now I've got this. Now I'm suddenly doing this whole thing. Like, did she remember to bring her Pokemon cards back with her? Oh God, uh -oh. I don't even want to have to ask the question. Uh, uh, I used to, <laughs> I used to take my cars to school, and I was very protective of them. Well, the best part is, is that the, um, you know, the, the, they, like I say, like the leaders are all gamers. Um, yeah. and so they will, uh, um, if they, if they see it, they'll, uh, they'll grab it. And, um, and, uh, the one guy, his, his, you know, like his, um, his wife runs the comic store. And so, uh, it, when the kids see it, they'll be like, that was Sarah's. Yeah, so, you know, this, uh, is, this is kind of in the weeds. You, you mentioned that this was a scout camp. Do you ever go to like the jamborees that happen every few years? No, uh, not really. No, the we, not, no, not the, wait, not the jamborees. The the one where you go hang out with the American scouts. Is that do those still happen? You might do. be too far away. You're, you're no, no, no. They they do. Um, there we, was a, we'd always meet up on Wellesley Island. Or yeah, uh, see the 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 thing is like they joined. <laughs> they were with a much smaller group before. And they joined this group in uh, September of 2019. Oh, um, so yeah. that year got cut short before they could do any of that kind of stuff. And um, there, wa there was like there, there was a big one planned for um, um, in uh, Harlem, not that Harlem, but in um, uh, the Netherlands. And oh. um, and oh. they were going to go original but, Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. But they, but we would, we just, we, we got to the point with it where we were just like, like a year ago, there, there was a whole lot of money due and we're just like, I don't Yikes. know what things yeah. are going to look like for international travel in, in that time period. And, right. uh, and so we just thought, you know, we're, we're like, and, and Jan was all stressed about it and it was just, maybe, maybe we don't. And and yeah. she immediately felt better as soon as we put that out there. And it's like, well, that was definitely the right answer. And yeah. um, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, so, yeah, they do those things like this group does a lot of that kind of stuff. And. Um, they're just I mean, they, they were like night and day from uh, from where they were before. And so I think Ella's pretty much done now. Like you know, she's thirteen and too cool for school. Oh, so. dumb, dumb with scouts. Yeah, I, I think I think this was yeah. our, I think this was her swan song. She has to go to the Thursday meeting because she left her snow pants behind. Oh no, so, not um, snow pants. Yeah, yeah. So I told her, I, I, it's I, I like, you you leave them behind. You got to go pick them up. Mm. Um, and uh, but I I think Sarah's still in because she went to uh, a couple of weeks ago went to a horse riding camp. And that was the magic she needed. <laughs> well, that's what it takes. I mean, I'm an Eagle Scout. I was in Scouts until I was 18, 19, yeah. went to college. Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. I mean, Boy Scouts is probably different than Canadian Scouts. Uh, I'm not well, sure. Well, it's it's just there's like, you know, it's like it starts uh, um, at Beavers, 
Um, yeah. um, moves to <laughs> moves to Cubs, moves to Scouts, and, is, and then like so, it's Scouts and then Ventures. Um, right, the Ventures. That's yeah. Now, and 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 now, like there's this system's all co-ed. Um, of course, that was always the that was always the fun thing about the Brotherhood trips is that there were girls there. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Our own age. So, <laughs> so they had um, now the. In their old group, the only thing that made that group co-ed was the presence of my daughters. Um, and, you know, it was like for Ella, it was just like it was an age where where the, 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 the boys were just too aggressive. And she was like, you know, uh, and uh, and yeah, it's just that different maturity level thing. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so. So we moved them to this group because the the it, it was there was much more uh, there were there were other girls their age, and uh, and and then I get there run into the comic book store op- owner and and she's like you you got you definitely want to join this group because like <laughs> you know we do stuff uh, with right. that. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and so um, it worked out and uh, and so you know it and. and through the, t- the toughest years for, for scouting, as far as that goes, because, um, so much of it ended up, uh, you know, like there was, there was a, a good year where they were on zoom all the time. And, um, and so, you know, now they're doing the regular stuff again. And, uh, and it was, a, and that was enough to, to, uh, you know, Sarah's got enough friends there now where, where it's like, well, you know, if I want to see those friends, like I got to go to this and, uh, and that's what makes it fun. And so, uh, you know, she, they had a, they both had a good time at, at the camp. Well, but, I'm glad they're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so lots of, uh, lots of game stuff going on. And so it, it, it had me thinking it's, um, you know, maybe now, you know, and this will, uh, kind of get me in back into the swing of this and maybe this mm-hmm. is something to show them as well. Yeah. Sure. So you show up dressed as a wizard. Your girls are going to be so proud of you <laughs> with all their friends. I, yeah. have, I have a Mickey Mouse sorcerer hat just in case. So, you know. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Complete with ears, of course. Wait, we were still in my week, weren't we? Uh, yeah. That's it for me. <laughs> okay. And that's it. All right. It's only us, right? Yeah. Just... Leech news. Uh, mm. I don't think mm. there's, I got there's, a lot, there's a lot of non there's a big legion news. We've got the video coming out. Or it was announced. Hold on, Michael. Let's let the announcement stuff first. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. The uh, so the trailer came out for the Legion. Oh, right. Yes. The Legion movie that's uh, coming out on DVD on February seventh. And I asked the PR guy, and he said there is no plans for streaming right now. So that probably means, well, it it means they want you to buy the video, and it'll be yeah, yeah, it'll be a couple months. It's been pretty standard for them to get to HBO Max pretty quick. If that pipeline is like changed, that's pretty significant for their like the whole model that they've been working with previously. So yeah, all I all I can say is this is what the the, the official PR guy said the official PR guy. Yeah. Yep. And, and the, um, unlike the last movie that came out, the, uh, justice league versus fatal five, right. um, this one, this one will only be 
like a Blu-ray and Blu-ray plus 4K Ultra and Blu-ray plus 4K Ultra plus digital with no action figures. No collector's edition. No collector's edition. At least my Boo. I'm okay. I just rip those things open anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I want my little uh, standing up phantom girl that I can make run away all the time. You know, I, I, you know, you know. I will say I'm really happy that it's just called Legion of Superheroes and not like Supergirl and Legion of Superheroes or, or Justice Batman League and, and, and Super- Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like the it, it sounds like it's. Um, uh, like she's with the Justice League first, and they said, well, "Why don't we send her to the future for training?" Send which her to course, Summer Camp. Yeah, which is what they uh, they did. How they retconned Superboy, um, the original Superboy, like the Superman when he was a boy. Right. Um, and so then it looks like there's going to be a lot of it's all Legion after that. So probably like a good hour in the 30th century, I, I'm guessing. And well, they're 90 minutes. Like, that's, uh, that's significant. <laughs> yep. Uh, one thing I found interesting is that it looks like a lot of the character designs uh, are being taken from the Sook designs. Not one-to-one, but there's enough there's enough design similarities that it definitely looks like the primary influence. Although you know, there's there's a mix of other costumes as well, but yeah. it seems like a lot of them are Sook-based, um, which is interesting because I know if the, uh, the Bendis – series ever comes around you're going to see a lot more of that so the fact that this was taking its cues makes me think yeah they're going to stick with those designs uh for at least the yeah. near future like i said we see dawn star with the uh, with the energy wings in particular yeah. yeah yeah but 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 the thing to also think about is just in the timelines for how long these things take to put together uh well, that's true this is probably been the worst for know, at least two years yeah like like that was the Legion of the time, right? So right, exactly. So it makes sense that they would uh, at least be using some of that. And um, yeah, the Dawn Star one stuck out to me. Um, I didn't notice too many. I, 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 didn't I saw think. I saw a hologram in the background of the founders, and they're very clearly the Sook designs. Okay, but uh, they were also pretty small and fuzzy. Yeah. But the designs were. Uh, light, lightning ladder and there was a, for, for what was the main yeah. thing. And I think I think uh, Saturn Girl had short hair, although I can't really remember. Yeah. So uh, so yeah so and I can't remember when that's uh, gonna drop. Uh, Jan- February seventh. February. February. Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, February seventh. <clears throat> that's next year. That's like twelve months away, right? Uh. <laughs> Reserve your copies now, kids. New math, new math, Jim. I'll definitely be getting out 4K on release. Well, cool yeah. beans. Yeah, I'm in for cool that. Yeah, I think we're going to do a Terra part of the preview later. Um, yeah. When everyone's. Oh. Yeah, when everyone's. Yeah. Travis won't watch it, though. So. Oh, That's true. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, here's what we're going to do before we get into the main topic, though. Let's talk a little bit about Legion debuts. Okay. So, uh, first off, let's look at the, our winner of the class of 2007. And um, I'm going to skip verification on that link. I trust you, Michael. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, in the uh, top five, uh, at number five, we had Superman... 
X. We had Sun Girl. We had Buddy Blank and Brother I. Oh, yeah. Um, and we oh, had yeah. Jordana Gardner, the uh, Teen Lantern, and the winner of, uh, of the uh, class of 2007 was Gazelle. Nice. She's well, a cool character. I wish we'd seen more of her. She was Absolutely. actually a legionnaire, so I, I yeah, points to her. Absolutely right. So, uh, so there we like go. She got issues. introduced introduced late in the three boot by Shooter. Yep. Yeah, thir- issue thirty seven was her first appearance, and uh, and that ended with fifty, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. So uh, so that's uh, that's who won that. But now let us talk about uh, the the following year. Okay. Yes. Yes, we will talk about the class of 2008. There are nine entries this week. Wow. I think we're going to start getting some interesting ones because I think the newer new characters for sure are getting introduced. As we There's get to some the rest interesting of stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, the following Legionnaires or Legion-related characters made their debut in a Legion-related context in 2008. You get to choose one using whatever criteria you decide. <laughs> Your rules. Uh, criteria on inclusion in this group are su- subjectively Michael's own. Mm-hmm. So we are going to start off with uh, Kinthea Kieselbach, uh, who is the president of the United Planets. And um, you remember, you remember that president, don't you? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really all there is to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I think, you know, yeah. So, <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, Someone's uh, favorite character, though, so move on. <laughs> here we it's go. Okay. Uh, Morrissey. Morrissey. Uh, it was Morrissey because he was based on uh, on on Rich Morrissey. Um, so Morrissey was the 13-year-old business manager of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, and I, I enjoy that uh, that character actually. Um, so Morrissey is named in honor of well-known Legion fan writer uh, Rich Morrissey, who died in two thousand one. Mm. His character, according to Jim Shooter, was based on Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a, a neat, uh, a neat little grab bag of stuff. And uh, yeah, he said, uh, "My name's Morrissey. My power is that I'm a genius at applied operational calculus. You know." Manipulating multiple inter- interdependent systems, complex transactional dynamics, procedural analysis, and process uh, intendance, material and data manager stuff, d- data management stuff like that. So he's an administrator, yeah. Yeah, basically, and uh, and yeah, Lightning Lad just did not have time to deal with that. Um, all right, we also have Persuader Three in Teen Titans Volume Three, Number Fifty Six, who was a member of Clock King's Terror Titans. He found the assassin and told her that he was an ancestor of the thirtieth-century criminal Nian Chun Ti, the Persuader, and gave her an atomic axe similar to his. Well, how would you know that? Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah. So I looked into a time portal. Yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe showed her a, a video or something. Um, Zilia Popoff, who was the deputy chief of staff of the United Planets, first appeared in um, in Three Boot uh, issue 38, um, who presented young heroes to the Legion. Popoff hoped to pressure the Legion into admitting Legionnaires from UP Worlds, but Lightning Lad dismissed all of them outright. Hmm. We also had Sizzle. 
from issue 45 of the three boot. Uh, Tila Spoonville uh, was an alien who applied for membership with the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion did not accept or reject her. Instead, they gave her and others Legion Reserve status. She had the powers of energy conversion and projection. Hmm. Also appearing in that issue was Turtle. Yep. Turtle's powers were deemed uh, defensive only, and he was deemed not suitable for active membership and was granted reserve status. Um, United the United, of the United Planet's Young Heroes, which is where Giselle also came from, mm-hmm. um, you had Fruit Boy, Sludge, Virus, Spy, Sonar, and Voice. A bid on the part of the United Planets to create a new Legion-like team. So these ones all come as one package. Uh, They could control. uh, They recruited several young recent Legion tryout rejects to form the team. That always goes well. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah, always. Shortly after its creation, the team proved to be mostly a failure, having to be rescued by the Legion of Superheroes itself. So like they're they're like bizarro subs. Um, all right, so that's them. Uh, so, and then Wildstorm, Authority Gen 13, Stormwatch Prime, Wildcats. A six-issue uh, crossover miniseries published in 2008 as the... What? Um, mm. Yes, uh, it features... It is subjectively Michael's own. Um, regular characters <laughs> from the DC Universe entering the Wildstorm Universe and the battles that are up because of this. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Sodam Yat uh, from Legion of Three, uh, Three Worlds 1. Uh, Sodam Yat is, of course, a member of the Green Lantern Corps representing Sector 1760 from Daxum. Mm-hmm. An old prophecy of the Guardians of the Universe says that he will be the greatest Green Lantern. Sodom Yat survived to the 31st century due to being kept uh, ageless by the Ion Power. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, that, Remember when Kyle was Ion for a hot minute? Remember that? Yeah. Honestly, it was yeah. probably when he was kind of his coolest. One of the many, what can we do with him? I don't know. Exa- exactly. One of those we'll many. Sentinel. Sentinel this time. What the yeah. heck? We, uh, what, what do we do with Kyle? What do we do with Kyle? Give them, give them time. Jim. Given him give every girlfriend already, and they've all yeah, not, not allowed to be called a Green Lantern. Because mm-hmm. yeah. only Hal can be Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you go off um, into space with the Omega Men. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and residing in the uh, and so and he was uh, re- residing in the ruined and lifeless husks, husk, yeah, that once was Oa. So yes, Sodom Yat. Uh, so uh, just to recap, we've got uh, Kinthia Kieselback, president of the UP. We got Morrissey. We got Persuader mm-hmm. Three. We got Zillia Popoff. We got Sizzle. We got Turtle. We got the United Planets Young Heroes. Uh, we got Wildstorm, Authority Gen 13, Stormwatch Prime, Wildcats. And we got Sodom Yat. I'm, I'm going to guess that Sodom Yat's winning this one. Absolutely. <clears throat> Probably. Right. So there we go, folks. That will uh, that will uh, keep keep you warm on a, on a cold day <laughs> if uh, such it? things apply. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. You too can live in the uh, lifeless husk that once was Oa. Um, <laughs> oh, poor Oa. Uh, poor, poor Oa. Will it ever win? Uh, no. Uh, the DC uh, Universe is whipping. Yeah, not whipping, as uh, whipping planet. <laughs> yeah. Not as history would uh, would tell us. Um, but you know, it, it gets better. Take a drink. Oh, uh, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, over All right. and over again. So, um, Darren, why don't you uh, kind of lead off and tell us a bit about what we're going to talk about today? Sure. We're going we're gonna to start a little series here about how uh, we get to a place where we can play with superheroes at home and in our own world and in our own games and in our own rules via the wonderful world of geek nerd math. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to start this off with a brief history of gaming because Yay. we got to get from point A to point B, right? We're going to make this a, a, a brief until we get to uh, a certain uh, couple of gentlemen here. So um, let's remember that back when we were all hunters and gatherers and, and hiding in, in caves and all that jazz, there were certain times of the year we couldn't do anything outside. It was too cold. Nothing was growing. The animals had all gone into hibernation. We were dealing with like rationed you know, food from the harvest and things like that. So a- ancient men had to you know, have entertainment. Of some sort, no matter how primitive it was, this is how we get oh. cave paintings and things like that. Well, we've also discovered through archaeological digs and such that we had games back then. We had games in the BC era. Uh, we had games like Mancala, which is around now, and obviously the rules, no one knows what the ancient rules were, so we have different rules now probably. Dice were invented by taking the bones of animals and shaving them down so that they became the same shape all the way around. Uh, China the same roll them bones. Roll them bones, exactly. Yeah. Uh, China had go. Uh, backgammon is an ancient game. Tic tac toe is an ancient game, and uh, the real one when you think about like where we're gonna go with this is chaturanga. Do you know what that game is called today? Chaturanga. I have no idea. Is it chess? That is correct, sir. Chaturanga. They both start with C. They do. C-H, actually. Yeah, the Chaturanga began in India or Persia, the Middle East mm-hmm. area there. And it is our very first war game. While some of these games had, you know, different players, obviously, but this was actually set up to be a battle, right? Where we're showing uh, the, the light-colored pieces can beat the darker-colored pieces and vice versa, blah, 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 and all the rules that came from that. And it was discovered that after Alexandria fell and the library burned and everybody escaped the city, chess then kind of spread out from there, right? And it, it came over to the Western world, which is how most of us know it on this podcast, maybe not where you're listening, but for us Westerners, this is how we know about it. It got renaissance, right? So instead of it being um, an elephant, it became a knight, <laughs> you know? Or instead of um, the giraffe, it became a rook. Right. You know, it, it instead of the advisor or vizier, we got the bishop to represent the church. And then they added the queen. Okay. So this becomes the first game for people to learn tactics and kind of thinking ahead in the Western world. And of course, we have a, a big historical influence over gaming here, the Catholic Church. Games, of course, were the things of the devil. Oh, so, so that started early. Oh, that started way early, yeah. Games are a thing of the devil. So it had to have instructive value or moral value. That's how we also got shoots and ladders, which was invented by Islam uh, scholars to demonstrate how much easier it is to be a crappy person than to be a virtuous one. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more shoots than there are ladders. Right in the in the original game to teach the that law of karma. It was a religious teaching tool, and then it came over. It became 
you know, snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders, whichever version. There's a you know, similar of it. aspect to backgammon. Yes, so there is. There is. Yeah. They added a <laughs> dice roll so that. Um, well, backgammon actually, okay. I think, translates in, in its original form into backstabbing. <laughs> when you, it's like really, really. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I guess backgammon. I, I never learned. I never learned the rules of backgammon. Yeah, well, some some of those rules can be kind of weird. I, I don't think I've played it in like 30 years, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I remember learning it. I remember my dad teaching it to me when I was a kid. And um, and I think at some point, uh, the backgammon set that we had, um, you know, got, got lost. Means mm-hmm. My mom got rid of it. And, uh, <laughs> garage sale day. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I, you know, haven't, haven't played it since. And, um, it's a thing like, like I remember Jan saying that, that, uh, she went on, um, an exchange trip in, uh, early high school and, um, and the family that she was staying with, they, they played backgammon. And so they taught her the basics of the game, but she learned nothing of the strategy of it. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and it's like, it's just like any, any game, you know, there, there are levels that you can go where it's like, you know, you can play Monopoly where you basically make your way around, uh, around the board and that's fine. But it's, you know, it's like, then there's when it's like, okay, now let's play it properly. Mm-hmm. And and it's a whole other game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, that there are <laughs> there are games that exist now, and you're like, how did that start? You wouldn't believe. I did a lot of, of interesting research, and yeah. get to all of it, but I'll I'll be putting some links on the Facebook page because there, awesome. there was some interesting research. Did you know the game of life started out as kind of the game of the golden goose? Really? Yes. And then it became it gradually evolved into many different versions of that game in which you were trying to get to the end of the road uh, of, of where, where the Golden Goose would be. And it then became rebranded as the checkered game of life, which became the game of life. That we yes. Have now. So it's like this. This is not a new game. It's not a new concept. It's just been around for a long time. Unfortunately, I discovered in India, we don't have a lot of the original games because all their boards were made out of cloth. Oh, really? so all, oh, right. They've all disintegrated over yeah. time. So until we get paper and cardboard, we don't really have a lot of these games. And that's why we really don't get a good sense of where gaming was at the time outside of like sports, like even bowling. Yeah, it was actually invented as a religious exercise. If, if, really? you, if you bowled over so many pins, it showed how pious you were and however many pins were left over is how many. Let's say Hail Marys you had to do or whatever, whatever penitence you had to do <laughs> for some sins. Crazy. I know you don't see people on the bowling tour do that now. It's not like they, they roll their two strikes and then they go off into a confessional. They don't do yeah, that. Yeah. But that's yeah. how this all started under the purview of the church, because anything that was recreational had to funnel through them for approval. You wow. know, so, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So we get the Gutenberg press eventually. Right. And so things get a little more evolved you get books oh my god books if you're rich yeah. you have books and then you get playing cards because now we have paper and art now cards probably existed before then in some form or fashion yeah but probably the 1500 1600s for cards and then we get war games past chess we're past chess now 
And these were used as actual war simulators in actual battles. So remember that scene in Captain America where they're planning down the shield bunker? They've got the map of Europe out there, and you see the little Hydra spots, and they keep swiping the Hydra spots off the board and putting their flag on it? Yeah. That's what they were doing across the majority of Europe <laughs> during the 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s, probably through World War II. Well, so I – okay, so there's a little bit of hearsay here because I cannot find the source that I looked at literally a week ago on this. Um, I believe wargaming got its start, as you said, as a uh, basically a tool for the military to like simulate battles. Mm-hmm. But that got popularized because I want to say Austria Vienna was doing was doing oddly well in some one of their wars. Yep. And other countries took a look at what was what they were doing differently, and it turned out they were doing those simulated war games with maps and stuff. Yep. And that sort of like spread out to the other militaries of of the uh, of the European powers to and become a primary tool for planning. Exactly, wars. and over to America it went, you know. Yeah, and, so, and and that became a tool of like the military, and then the military started to use it as a recreational game. Yes, which led to the war gaming as as a hobby. Yep, and of course we have we have the most basic version of that, which is Risk. Yeah. Right. So we have Risk, and we have a more uh, a more modern version of a more complicated version of Axis and Allies, which came out I think when I was like ten or something like that. At least the version I'm familiar with. And, and but when you went to the gaming shops back then, there were all these like books. Uh, it looked like books on the on the shelf, and it was all about all these naval battles and famous army battles. You could there was a whole section for civil war battles because I lived in Atlanta. Of course, that was a very popular topic, and it was like the Battle of Atlanta, and there'd be like these three modules, and it would be you're reenacting the siege of the town of Atlanta in the March of Sherman. Oh right? wow, that's that's not something for me. But that was the main thing this gaming company or this gaming shop was in was that miniature gaming where you would have a mini, which was actually like this represents a battalion. This represents the cannon line. This represents the infantry. Mm-hmm. And they would put a big you, you could see guys in the basement or in their garage or whatever with tables touching each other. And they would have someone there because you would have one player playing the red guys, one guy playing the blue guys, and then a referee. So now we have two players and a DM, a dungeon master, basically. We have the structure. But instead of the DM running all the bad guys, it's player versus player. So we've got PvP going on here. And that's where this all starts, because there's a little company called uh, Guidon Games, and they published a little thing called Chainmail. And Chainmail was a supplement on how to play some of these miniature games, but in a medieval setting. So instead of it being a specific war, which a lot of these supplements were that came out, uh, like the Napoleonic Wars, World War I, World War II, blah, blah, blah. This was more about, hey, this village wants to conquer this village, and this kingdom's got these resources, and blah, blah, blah. It was that level. But inside, or, or as another supplement... They published a fantasy supplement, and this was taken mostly from Tolkien's world, which got them in trouble with the Tolkien estate. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. They they had hobbits. They called them hobbits in the original game. Oh, dear. They they were changed to halflings, 
And then later, um, when when Gary Gygax uh, um, actually founded TSR, which is um, I, I wrote it down because I can never remember what it is. It's tactical something. Hang on. Do, 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 tactical studies rules. Uh, it was fun. Oh. Founded in 1973, TSR Games. Um, Gaidon went out of uh, business in 1973. Oh. So they just picked up from where they left off. Oh. Are you okay? Oh, crap. I'm using my headphone mic when I should be using my desktop mic. <laughs> So my muting of my desktop mic has been doing nothing this whole time. No, no, it has not. Were you sneezing? It sounded like I was blow, blowing my nose. I thought oh. my mic was muted. I apologize. No, it's no okay. Worries, no worries. I was like, "Are you all right? Is everything okay?" Um, so Gary Gygax met uh, met a guy named Dave Arneson at Gen Con, which is a gaming con that still goes on to this day in Indiana, yeah. and this is a con that Gary Gygax founded, and. They met together and uh, they started working on some stuff for Guidon. And then after Guidon went under, they started working get together on uh, what would eventually be called Dungeons and Dragons, and give us our first official um, role-playing setting for fantasy role-playing. And what Dave Arneson was doing was Dave Arneson had his players basically continue their characters from game session to game session. It wasn't just one game in which player A battles player B and it's the Battle of the Bulge. It is, hey, this character is a fighter and this character is a, is a wizard and we're going to continue questing throughout this and it's up to the Dungeon Master to kind of decide what is the next thing they have to deal with. So this is when you get the DM more involved in what game are they actually going to play? What, right. What's the rules and what is the setting and all that world building <laughs> that rolls into D&D. So uh, they, uh, TSR also published a supplement that had um, some had a Cthulhu chapter. They got sued by... You gotta have a Cthulhu people. chapter. They got sued by Lovecraft's estate. <laughs> so that yeah. went away quick. So there's that, but that doesn't mean that a dungeon master can't bring in those aspects on their own. They're just not going to get paid for it, right? Yeah. So D and D began to get very popular after 1974. The first edition came out, and it, it began to get a kind of a, a groundswell in the gaming community. Um, yeah. Again, gaming conventions were a thing, and I remember the first time I heard of D and D was when I was watching ET for the first time. Anyone watch E.T.? Remember? Yeah. Don Hum. They played D&D during that movie. That's right, yes. They, they had that yelling match about something that happened in the game, and they, they yelled, negative charisma, penis breath. <laughs> it's very mature, <laughs> very mature. Um, in 1982, uh, D&D ran across its first big uh, PR problem, which, which is referred to as the satanic panic. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's yep. game. Exactly. D and D was coming for your kids and all that jazz. There were people who blamed D and D for ruining kids' lives. Unfortunately, several people who were gamers committed suicide or uh, fell to the wayside with drugs, alcohol abuse, etc. It's, it's a shame. I don't want to belittle. That's what happened. But of course, now we would go. They probably had some mental issues beyond just wanting to play a game. Um, and maybe they were trying to figure it out. Maybe they weren't, but it kind of came to a head several different ways. 1982, there was a movie called Mazes and Monsters. 
starring yeah. the debut of Tom Hanks in his first <laughs> role ever before Bosom wow. Buddies. Yeah, before Bosom Buddies. And he plays a kid who, who thinks he's uh, an actual character in the game and goes through a lot of mental stuff uh, at that point. It was very, very heavily leaning towards, oh, yeah, this game is evil. So Gary Gygax had to do a 60 Minutes interview <laughs> in which he basically said, so let me ask you this. You've played Monopoly. Who from the bank comes and forecloses on your checking account when you lose and go bankrupt? When you play a game of Clue, when do the police show up to arrest the player who uh, killed Mr. Body? It's just a game. And yes. that, that kind of reframed the conversation, you know, a little bit. Mind you, D&D also, you know, they had, they had devils and demons as part of the bad guy list. Yeah, I think there were some those, some pentagrams in those early. Yeah, there there was some art that was definitely on the um, the heavy metal side. They toned that iconography down for the next edition. They changed demons and devils to uh, Baylors and Beatsus, so they wouldn't be called devils and demons, but they're the same things, really. And everything kind of calmed down um, <clears throat> in their next edition, which is the second edition, which came out in, uh, I think, 1982-ish, 83-ish. But yeah. the thing that happened in 83 was the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon premiered. Right. So we get we get six Saturday morning cartoon characters who were not they weren't they never used anything that was uh, there were no clerics. So there's no praying to any gods. Right. So we got rid of that. We, we have a bad guy, but he looked like a Saturday morning bad guy. Right. He didn't look overly demonic or devilish, but he looked evil. No, no worse than Skeletor on He-Man. Right. right? Um, so we had him and it was just these kids trying to find their way back home, which is like the standard Sid and Marty Croft plot, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. That's, kids that's exactly another what dimension. Oh my gosh, we got to find our way home. And that's the thing. Um, they, they, it ended without them finding their way back home, unfortunately, but there is a radio plot on YouTube that you can listen to for their last, um, story that was scripted, but never drawn. Their way home was scripted and never drawn. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go out and find it. Right. And this brings us to um, a couple of things about world building. So TSR had it, I'm going to say, fairly easy with world building. You just have to make up a, like a village and then a bad guy, and you put your heroes in it, and then you make up a whole bunch of villagers and events, and then you go for it because they've, they've done the hard work for you. I mean, Tolkien did the heavy lifting there, right? Tolkien wrote all those books <laughs> and gave you all these ideas. And now mm -hmm. you can watch Lord of the Rings and go, oh, that's kind of a cool setting. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Put that together. Do that. And it's the same for any type of piece of fiction. You're building a world when you're looking at this type of stuff. So like the game of Clue is the world is a mansion, right? That's, that's all you need to know about that world. It's a mansion, and there are six people in it, and there's a body. Figure it out. That's, that's the simplest kind of world building you get and we, and we get clue the movie from that right yeah so when you're when you're talking about how to put all this together you've got to think well you've got all these heroes and they're all in the same wavelength what do you do when one of your characters is superman how can you put superman on the same scale as aunt may right and that that becomes a problem so in, in D&D, you had six statistics for the character's attributes, and they're fairly simple. It's strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Simple. Six things. 
1984, TSR tackled and published the Marvel role-playing game featuring the Marvel characters. What happened in 84 with Marvel? Secret Wars. Mm. Had come out. So this was a big thing. So I think DC was pressured to come out with a competing product, and they did so in 1985 with DC Heroes under the Mayfair game. Uh, Basically, that that company did it. And so the Marvel system is called Phaser Rips now because it's named after its attributes, which is uh, fighting, agility, strength, endurance, reason, intuition, and psyche. <laughs> so Phaser Rip is what that system is called. And then for DC, we have Megs. Uh, oh, M-E-G-S, that's what it's called. Um, I forget what that stands for, but it has nothing to do with the attributes because the DC heroes get nine attributes. <sighs> it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, kids. Um, they started publishing in 1987, and there's one thing about DC. Th- this is specific to our Legion character, specifically the White Witch. Sorcery is hard to do in any game. It's especially hard to do in... A comic book because you have a magical character they can solve all the problems conflict done right it, it's very difficult it's like flash flash could solve every problem if he didn't have other problems because he's that quick superman can lift anything so how, how do you call how do you fix this in a game scenario in in comics it's easily you you write the problem out right yeah or yeah ignore it but in a gaming situation how do you do that so dc had established that magic was more powerful than regular powers because Superman is vulnerable. Superman's kind of the benchmark character that all the other characters get measured against. Right. He is, he is the, the main pillar of the DC universe. So if Superman's vulnerable to magic, then you have to assume that almost every other character is vulnerable to magic. I've always found the magic vulnerability to be more of like confusion. Mm hmm. Like, well, it comes super, and goes, right? Superman's goes. mortal, so he can be affected by magic the same way anyone else can be, is how I've always taken it. But some people write it like magic is kryptonite, which doesn't make any sense to me. Agreed. Uh, I think it's that like magic affects him. He's just not invulnerable to it, right? Right. Um, Basically, it can kind of sidestep his, uh, his superpowers because it's magic. Yeah, so this is the first thing that they had to confront is how do they deal with that? So right. they created three sets of attributes, one for physical traits, one for mental traits, and one for mystical traits. So in D&D, you have something called hit points, which is how much damage can happen to your character before you fall unconscious or die. And in gaming, death is much closer to you than it is in writing. <laughs> because you know yeah. when you're a writer, you're going to kill off Supergirl in Crisis 7. Any gaming session, you could have a total party wipeout. And then you're like, okay, what do we do next week? I don't know. We've got to figure that out because <laughs> all your characters are dead now. Um, so you had to figure this out with Superman. So if you are a mystical character, you could attack Superman's mystical traits to get those down to zero to knock him unconscious. As opposed to just his physical traits. And, of course, Superman was taken over by Maxwell Lord many decades after the system came out. Right. So you have the mental trait that can be attacked. So Superman's not as invulnerable in the game as he is on paper. Right? Because they use those things very sparingly in, in the comics. 
Yeah, because there's going to be because there's going to be an editor who's like, you can't do that, Superman. You know. Whereas in your game, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, exactly. So there's something called Vancy in Magic, which helps to limit uh, magic characters a bit. In D and D, it means that a magical character can learn their spells once a day, and then once they use that spell, they can't use it again, or they must rest to relearn it. Does that sound like White Witch? Yeah, pretty much exactly. I, I have a limited number of spells I can use, and I have to be prepared. And Basically, it's the, it's the lamest form of magic. I kind of hate it in general. But it serves a plot purpose. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it restricts the, the magic. If the magical character has something handy that's really effective, then great. It works. If they don't have anything handy, then they're, they are kind of useless. You're right. But they should have prepared better, right? And so... It's like also Batman's utility belt. Right. The Riot can put whatever they want to in Batman's utility belt. Right? But a player is limited by how many slots he has and how well he prepares. Because mm-hmm. a dungeon master is not going to let him randomly say, oh, I'm going to take out my bat, sh- my bat shark repellent. I'm like, did you pack that? In, in good oh, games, you can. You know, it's got to be on the <laughs> list. You have an attribute that basically says I'm prepared, and then you retroactively have what you need. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's called the rule of cool. No, the DM the DM's going to uh, veto that one. That no, I'm, ser- I'm serious. I play games that that, that is how it works. I, I know, but no. I would say that's too lenient. I would say that's way too lenient. I mean, there are other limitations. You can only do it so many times. Well, I mean, that's the thing. So when, when do you actually – the rule of cool is, is a, a neat thing. And I have allowed it to happen because something was just so off the wall and they rolled really well and it worked. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> it happened. I didn't plan on this two-hour battle to last ten minutes, but sure, it happened. <laughs> got a, a lot of DMing is improv. A lot of it is. And yeah. Like, okay, yeah. so, uh, yeah, um, okay, I'll think of something and pull it right out of my ass and bring it to the players and go, here you go, have a nice day. So, um, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, after uh, Mayfair started doing their publishing, they lasted for until um, 1992, I believe. Well, a- they I mean, their website says they lasted until uh, 2016. They were they they published like Settlers of Catan for well, years. They, they stopped publishing DC Heroes in 90. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's a licensing thing yeah. that expired. Yeah. 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 The game yeah, only they- lasted that long because the, the rights went elsewhere. And then another company, and I forget the name of the company, forgive me, um, published a book called Blood of Heroes, which was a continuation of the Megs. Uh, right. The same system. system. The same system. But all they did was change, take out the characters' names and change the art. And Called Mayfair, Pooperman. Yeah. May, Mayfair sued them <laughs> for doing oh. it. Oh, oh, oh. They, they, oh, so this wasn't Mayfair doing it. Somebody no. literally – okay, yeah, was, that's a copy – that's a cop. That's copyright yeah. theft. You yeah, it was – You um, take the uh, of a game. Pulsar Games. Yeah. Was the company I, so uh, just, we're gonna tweak this just enough, but it wasn't enough. Sorry, no. So oh. it says uh after Mayfair Games stopped publishing DC Heroes, the rights to the game's mechanics were licensed to a new company called Pulsar Games, who was trying to acquire them even before the original Mayfair went under. Uh, Pulsar published the superhero game Blood of Heroes, which was nearly identical to third edition DC Heroes, minus the DC characters. 
Uh, the original Blood of Heroes was criticized due to uh, poor artwork. The second edition was printed in 2000, featured expanded rules and new artwork, including uh, cover art by Dave Dorman. Yep. Wait, so they, but if they got the rights of the game, why did they get sued by Mayfair? Hmm. All, all I know is they got sued. So I'm guessing if Mayfair reconstituted itself, they're like, no, you can't have that anymore. It's ours. Well, it's, yeah. well, it's possible they were trying to publish uh, stuff while they were still making DC Heroes. Because like it says here, they were possible. trying to get the rights even before. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what got yeah. them into the trouble. And it was Quite after possible. they got. Yeah. I, I will do some research on that. W- Wikipedia lacks details. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and there's been other superhero role-playing games since then. Uh, um, a lot of them. Yeah, well, the well Hero, Heroes, the Heroes was system. Hero, Heroes was the original one. Heroes predates uh, yeah, GURPS, all even. This, right? Yeah, uh, Mutants of Masterminds, Silver Age Sentinels, I think, is fairly relatively new compared to these others. Yeah, um, and then GURPS, Jim, you played GURPS a little bit. That's from Steve Jackson Games, isn't it? Steve Jackson Games, yeah. Steve Jackson Games is one of those yeah. companies that have been around for a long time. They did a lot of uh, very popular board games or, or tabletop games like Car Wars. And well, not well, Munchkin is a new phenomenon. I'm talking way back when they were doing Car Wars yeah. and Ochre. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were both like strategy tabletop games, which eventually turned not so much turned into, but eventually um, were rolled into their their GURPS universal role playing system, uh, which was pretty uh, revolutionary at the time. It wasn't the first uh, generic role playing system. The hero system, although it was initially created for a superhero game, did eventually get, you know, uh, rules assistance for any kind of game that does predate GURPS, but GURPS was the most popular of its type at the time. Uh, I like GURPS, but I didn't start playing it until very late in the nineties and the early two thousands with the third and fourth editions. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a game that as it says on the tin, you can basically do anything you want with it. The cool thing yeah. about GURPS is, isn't so much the system. It's so much, it's more about like the, uh, supplement support because you can just the the GURP supplements are just super useful for teaching you how to run role-playing games in specific genres in specific yes. settings yeah. they're they're just fun to have on their own mm-hmm. and the GURP system have, itself is functional enough to use yeah. although its most complicated component is the character generation uh, the way skills points work is a little complicated compared to other games yeah. but <laughs> once the game gets going the game's dead easy because you just roll 3d6 and you're done yeah. That's how that's how it used to be in D and D. You would roll three D six, add those three rolls up, and those would be your attributes, and you hope that you got them in the right places. Because the old style was roll three D six, add those together, that was your that was your decks. Your next three dicks D six was your strength on down the line. So you couldn't put them where you wanted to. That was character generation. Yeah. Character oh, so, generation. so oh, so yeah. so you couldn't even store them up and put them where you wanted no. to. You had to take the numbers as they came. Exactly. In the original so, D and D, is that advanced? D and D, first edition D and D. That's how you did it. Three D six. Well, I'm not it, even. T- I'm, not, a, I'm not. I'm sorry. A little confusion. I wasn't talking about character generation. Character generation GURPS is point based. You build your character with a points mm-hmm. with a with with a, like an a la carte style. Like you, these are the points you have. You have a 200 point character. You can buy these attributes, these skills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The actual game re- resolution mechanic when you do anything, you're, it's, it's a roll on your system. You roll three d six, add them together, and if you okay. if you're under your total, you succeed. Yeah, when you said three d six, I automatically yeah. That. yeah. We'll <laughs> see. Yeah, now that makes sense. Hold on. You, that, that's all right, you nerds. All right, <laughs> nerds. Just listen to me for a second here. For those who are like, 
I wonder what these guys are going to tell me about gaming. I've never tried this before. 3D6 means that you're oh, rolling three six-sided six dice. You know, any, any dice you pull out of your Monopoly board in your Popomatic trouble bubble. <laughs> I haven't played exactly. those in ages. What, what's funny about that, uh, Jim, is that the Marvel system, or TSR, yes. for creating your superheroes is completely random. Ooh, oh my god, I, I hate that. Yeah, you, you roll a D, uh, 2D10, which is two, ten-sided die, and you, whatever number that comes up with, with one being the ten spot, one being the one spot, that is the number on this chart. And that's what you, that's what you are. And I hate it because it is like, why these powers don't go together. Right. That sounds <laughs> like know? a nightmare. That sounds it, like the worst possible choice. The worst way to do it. Mayfair does a uh, point by system like GURPS. Oh, thank GURPS. God. Thank so God. If you're, if you're a dungeon master or in this case, a game master. Um, and you're like, I'm running a street level game in Gotham city. You're probably looking at a 400 to 450 point character to start off with. That's still a lot of points. Well, it's granted. a lot of points, but you got a lot of attributes to fill. How many points is Superman? Is he like a thousand? Oh, he's over a thousand. He's like in the two, 2,500, 3,000. 3, wow. Okay, that's some scaling right there. GURPS, GURPS point characters are generally like if you're mundane, if you're a normal person, you're 100 points. If you're like above average, like John McClane or something, you're like 200 points. If you're a superhero, you're like 500 points. No, no, this this the scale the scale of this DC game sounds really like so ramps way up. It does, it does, and yes. so do the characters. I mean, that's yeah, the, that's exactly. the point, right? Yeah, that's um, the point. It's the Ant May to Superman. What is Ant May like a f- hundred point character? Maybe less because of all her health issues. Yes, and the wheat cakes. Hmm? Oh, the wheat cakes. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, let's. Um, you know, just to uh, to sort of uh, pick uh, a character at random, um, as far as uh, a non-superpowered sort of supporting character. Um, so supporting. Let's take, yeah. So let's take. Uh, um, let, let's look at Alfred Pennyworth. Sure. Alfred. There we go. Okay. So you've got, uh, and and I, you know, Darren, I I don't know that I'd ever really. Um, divided it in the way that you pointed out and it makes so, so much sense now mm-hmm. uh, that yeah so um as a you know a human um you know Normal he has human. Yeah. yeah well alfred is also ex secret agent so he's got secret agent stuff well, he's just agent. i don't know what level of stats paul has let me let me get right. let me get there let me get yeah. there Okay, so um, so he has a dexterity of three, like basically it's threes across for his physical uh, uh, attributes. So dexterity three, strength of three, body of three. So that okay. is, uh, again, um, slightly above average. A normal human in this system is considered a two in their attributes. Yeah, Jimmy Olsen is three, two and two. Yeah. So there's your secret agent stuff kicking in, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, Intelligence of four, will of four, mind of three, influence of two, 
Um, so, so like dexterity is basically their ability to respond with, with, uh, with some sort of speed and, uh, strength is how strong they, you know, dexterity is how fast they hit you. Strength is how strong, how hard they hit you. And body is how they stand up to, uh, to harm. the damage that they get. Yeah. Yeah. And same with, uh, with intelligence is four. So that is, uh, how quick thinking they are. Will is four, which is again, if That's they are a resistance to exactly mental yeah. stuff. And then the mind is how much well, mental damage can they take? Yeah, exactly. But the, the will, it's the same thing with the, uh, you know, as, as your strength, it's sort of, uh, uh, again, it's you know, in, in those sort mm -hmm. of, uh, interactions and then influence, uh, this is more the spiritual, right? So yeah. he is a two, two and three for influence, aura and spirit. And then he's got 10 hero points. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, these APs that I keep talking about, those are called attribute points. So yes. This is an exponential system. Right. So someone who has a two versus someone who has a three, um, I've got a chart. I will. I mean, they're ten times better, or they're they are double what the previous benchmark yeah. was. So yeah. if someone has a four in intellect, uh, a person with a five has double the amount of intellect that someone with a four has. Yeah. So like so, Julia Capitalis mm -hmm. was two two and two on Dexter on her, the physical uh, attributes, yeah. but her her intelligence was five. Um, she has Lana a doctorate Lang. degree, so yeah, yeah. she's going to know more. Lana Lang was uh, was uh, two two and two for the the you know the uh, physical attributes, two two and three for the um, intelligence, will, and mind, and then it, uh, influence three, aura two, spirit three. So that's more sort of regular human. Yeah. And they vary. I mean, you yeah, they have, do. Yeah, you have regular humans who you're like, oh, that should that be a two? They're in a wheelchair. It's like if you looked at Oracle stats. Yeah, you know. Well, but like, what are what are Batman stats? Oh, okay. Batman stats are pretty is he all, huge. Yeah. He's all, but is he all threes or is he all? No, four? no, 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 no. He's not a three or four. No, you got to like, yeah. Uh, Get to that page. Um, <laughs> well, my, 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 it's a little confusing, <laughs> though, because Batman is a regular human being. He shouldn't he, be double the strength of Alfred Penny's worth. Well, he's a regular human being, and Alfred does not engage in as much physical uh, exertion as Batman does. Alfred's not bodybuilding. Alfred doesn't have his build. Alfred's very right. thin, and he's older. Well, so, I, I guess my question okay. is... So just for like a to um for a scale point of reference, mm -hmm. Batman Batman is like the ultimate like finesse. Batman hero. would be the ultimate human physique. So he is the benchmark for if you're going above this, you're either getting assistance from mechanical means, right? You're yeah. altered human, or you're an alien, right? Yeah. So here's the comparison. All right. So Batman dexterity ten, strength of five, body of six. See, those are if the, if this is an exponential system, those are huge jumps from regular person. They are. We're gonna get yeah, but we're gonna get there to, to then we're gonna compare it to someone superhuman in a second. Okay. All right. uh, intelligence twelve, will twelve, mind twelve. Um, so clearly that's where the 
the real strength is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, influence 10, aura 8, uh, spirit 10, uh, hero points 150. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then you have a whole bunch of skills like acrobatics, artist, um, uh, meaning actor, um, yep. charisma, uh, detective skills, gadgetry, martial artist, military science. So these are all skills that are linked that you can actually add to. Um, I think he's got uh, all the skills except a cultist, honestly. Seriously. Um, <laughs> and that, that is an option in the game. Like, I'm not taking any powers. I'm just going to be a very technical human. And so yeah, yeah, exactly. The skills and you jump up that way, you know. Yeah. And then and then so let then let's uh, let's so so let's remember those sort of tens and twelves and whatnot. And then uh, we look at Superman and I'm just <laughs> sorry, I just got it because it's not in alphabetical order. Ah, uh, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like, oh, well, now you we were going to talk about the uh, the Justice League International. And uh, does it have an it doesn't have an index in the back? It does. And that's what I'm referring to here. <laughs> all right. So uh, they don't all have indexes. Indices. <laughs> now, now. Um, hang on. So it said page 60 for Superman. It lied. Um, sorry, 68. My bad. My bad. Okay. So Superman, uh, dexterity 15 strength, 25 body, 18. Uh, so definitely stronger than, than, uh, you know, higher than Batman's on all of those, Mm -hmm. but the, um, the intelligence 11 will 20. So he gets higher than Batman there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, influence, aura, and spirit are all ten with hero points. So these are kind of reserves of, yep. of two hundred. Um, so a lot more, a lot further to go in sort of uh, these these different things for skills. It is um, it, it notes his writing skills as Clark Kent. Uh, it has the charisma being pretty high and, and scientist because, you know, he's looking for that cure. He's for looking Mon-El. for that cure for Monel every yes. day, every day, every baby. damn day, sir. Every damn day. But and do something with regards to being a military tactician, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the jobs. No, exactly. Exactly. And, and he, ne- he never has been portrayed to have those jobs. So that's a Batman or a Wonder Woman or even an Aquaman thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's so no, he's no thief. He's no. He's not a specialist in vehicles. He doesn't need to be. He can fly everywhere. So he doesn't need to know anything about weaponry. <laughs> he he's he is his weapon. So there's a lot of there's a lot of give and take in the system for what these characters can. Do. Yeah, but then he has powers. So oh, yeah. he's got all the powers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but but uh, it's it, 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 it's it's interesting. Sorry. I'll, I'll say that much is especially for like an 80 system that's trying to handle like these power scaling things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely from the school of more rules to explain. Yeah. More, it's, it's a complicated uh, system for sure. Oh yeah. The, the, there's been a trend in the last couple decades to streamline things mm-hmm. to, to make things more rules light, try not to bog things down with graphs and charts and oh yeah stuff like that. And, and, and there's ways to make that work where things can be balanced. Yeah. It's like that, or, 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 like I mentioned before, where you, like Batman's utility belt, if you have that as like a utility belt as like a attribute, instead of 
actually planning what's in it. You just spend whatever your like currency points, like what, what you might call hero points in this game um, as to just yeah. get what you need. And if you run out of points then you can no longer get what you need, that way you don't have to here you've worry got gad- about you've got gadgetry skills. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's Things you have uh, to roll constantly to, uh, to, uh, to maintain well, your, your, that, uh, and in his, in his quote unquote off time can research and produce a gadget for something that he needs to do. Right. Right. So that's, that's where that comes into play. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh crap, mm-hmm. I'm facing Mr. Freeze. I need to go get my cold resistant bat armor on. And I'm, I'm out here without it because I was at a photo uh, presentation with Vicky Vale and Mr. Freeze attacks suddenly. It's like it's not you, you're not going to have that on you for everyday wear. Right. Yeah. But you might roll your intelligence and you build one out of whatever uh, party platters are laying around. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's, it's reflective. It'll reflect cold. That's how science works. Yeah, that's, that's not how that works. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> No, 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 no. So this is this is just like the beginning building blocks of this, and we're going to get into uh, future episodes. We're going to talk more about um, our wonderful legionnaires. You know, the focus of this podcast. You're like, why the hell are y'all talking about this? Um, it's because there's some really cool stuff in um, a couple of source books that Mayfair put out about the legion and yeah. about um, the five year later gap. And we wanted to address those before we head on into the, um, the second um, boot of the Legion. Cause there's some really cool flavor text, especially yeah. in your later source book. That oh, is it's, there's so much of what they were planning and um, yeah. And we're going to, we're going to analyze the crap out of that stuff. I assure you. Um, but I, I, I didn't want us to start, just cold into this because this is a complicated system. And when we're talking about, you know, attribute points and, you know, action values and effect values, it's like, what are they saying? What? Well, what? Like, here's a question. What do hero points do in this game? What are hero, they for? Hero points can do a couple things. You can, you can save them up to spend them on increasing the APs of a power or a skill okay. or an attribute. Right. Or, you can use them in a clutch, like in comics. You have the right to pull whatever, pull whatever. My powers, blah blah blah, and you can boost your APs temporarily to solve a problem that's immediate. Right, that, right. With that bank of hero points. Right? It's the it's the it's the ass pull points. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, how the hell does re- Superman do that? He's never done that before. Oh, he had hero points. Got it. Okay. Right. So that that that's actually pretty innovative for like a eighties RPG. And, that, and, those those yeah. kind of points are very popular in games right now for that very purpose because they they make games more cinematic. They make things more dramatic when you when you don't get into a situation where you literally can't do anything. Yep. Uh, because you don't have any relevant skills. Exactly, and uh, you get um, like last ditch defense and things like that. That's what those yeah. points are for. They're yeah, they're useful so that you don't get insta killed by things exactly. you weren't expecting. Exactly, <laughs> exactly like dark sides eyeballs. Oh no, I got hit by omega beams. Oh, oh. I guess I'm dead oh. now. Looks like I went through time and left my skeleton behind. I don't know how that happened, but okay. <laughs> Good trick. All those hero points <laughs> spent those bad boys off, didn't we, Morrison? But uh, in the Legion sourcebook, they actually talk about how it is advised to not play Legionnaires, but to play uh, students of the Legion Academy. Because it allows you to come up with your own characters. Right. And, and whatever your characters are going to do at Encounter will not affect the Legion continuity. 
Now, of course, they published this before <laughs> 1992, but <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's an interesting idea that you don't want to hurt your darlings and let the DM bring in the established DC characters into your game. Well, I think that's pretty typical of any, like if you were playing any DC, I, well, I, in my personal or opinion, I'd want to play my own superhero in the DC universe. I wouldn't want to play an established one, Yeah, but that might be different for other people. Cause I never really, I never really thought about that as an appeal for these games that you want to play as literally Hal Jordan, Green Lantern or Batman or something. Yeah. I always I'm figured. Sure those things are, yeah. I'm sure people would love to play as their favorite character, but they need to know that death is much closer in the game than it is on paper. Right. You know, what happens if you kill your own favorite character off in a game? Well, I mean, it was all a uh, dream. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, you just roll your successor. DC's all about legacies. Totally. Kyle, where's Kyle? Somebody get Kyle in here. I don't know. I don't get attached to my RPG characters. That's why I don't make like huge essay backstories. Mm-hmm. Cause, uh, and they're not long for this world most of the time. Well, I mean, it all depends upon the game you're playing. And I, th- I think that's, that's an important conversation to have with your dungeon master is if you're going to play in the world of Watchmen, for instance, everything's going to be grim and gritty. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be real, like really real, because that's the world that those characters inhabit. If you're going to run a Suicide Squad mission, then the Suicide Squad mission you need to know you're going into, odds are... You may not make it out and things right. are going to constantly get worse. Right. Right. Because that that's just the Suicide Squad's uh, genre. Right. Man, that's the ultimate GMFU getting to play uh, Walt, Walt Wallers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you don't do what I say. I'm going to game master. I will blow your brain out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rocks fall. <laughs> everyone die. Mother rocks fall. Everybody dies. Motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what that is. You know? And it's uh, it's interesting to see versus like playing a, a Justice League thing, a Justice League versus the Royal Flush Gang. How do you make that interesting now? Um, how do you how do you beef up the Royal Flush Gang to to be a serious threat to the league? You know, how how, how do you get Doctor Light and the Fearsome Five to be a serious threat again? At least before Identity Crisis. Yeah. Oh, Doctor Light didn't become a serious crap with Identity Crisis. He was a, that was, I hate Identity Crisis so much. I know, and I, I, I'm not. A, I love the mystery, but I didn't like you know some of the stuff that was in that story. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about being your own game master. You get to create your own world, your own canon, right. and you can ignore stories that are, in your opinion, bad. Bad. <laughs> And they're not part of your world. That's that just never happened in your world. You could have no crisis on infinite earth whatsoever. You could, you can play 1984 DC comics forever, forever. You can play that forever. If you want to, then you can be vibe. You could be vibe. What you doing, Batman? Hmm? Oh yeah. Where his, he's got his vibe power, which is uh, a strength of eight. And uh, and a power and, after him because they didn't have anything else that was made sense. So was, yeah, and uh, and you'll love this. Um, his skills: um, thief six, martial artist five, and artist break dancing three. <laughs> artist covers a lot of territory in this. It, game. it does, yes. So, um, like Batman has artist because of going undercover. 
Yeah, so you would add that to the like to the influence kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, in uh, in trying to convince someone something. It's like, well, and he also has this uh, this charisma, and so you add that on, and so now now that uh, now your APs are that much higher, so your attack is more likely to succeed. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and your Why Batman can threaten to- someone and Superman can't really. Yeah, and yeah as exactly. The intimidation part. Superman's just inspiring, and so they've they've made you know that's that's the great thing is that they've they've actually kind of used this system to to like how can we approximate these these things you know and how can we bring them in and sometimes it's done really well and sometimes less so but mm-hmm. for the most part I think they do they do a pretty good job with uh, with a lot of these and Doctor Light um, now this is the. Uh, uh, Kimio Hoshi version. Um, but you know, um, she should have scientists, I would think. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, and for powers, it's energy absorption. Mm-hmm. So that again, if it's an energy attack that gets added to the defense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's a lot of these things because, you know, it's like, Hey, you zap her. It's not the same as zapping someone else. So while she has body of six, like that, that would be considered generally you know, somewhat vulnerable. Uh, the energy absorption means that 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 attack is not going to affect her. That, that attack is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, really quickly. Yeah, she can absorb that and then project it back to wherever she wants. Yeah, to. exactly. You know, and uh, and you know, if we're going to talk some legionnaires, well, I've I've heard tell. Um, you know, let's look at Lightning Lad and his shape shifting powers. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on, you don't be me. Yeah. Um, but you know that, like, uh, let's look at uh, at our friend Jonah. Okay. And, uh, and so, uh, dexterity of ten, strength mm-hmm. of five, or twenty-two if he's using uh, his ultra strength. strength. Yep. Yeah. Body of five, mm-hmm. or thirteen if he's using invulnerability. Invulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so initiative is twenty, or thirty-three if he's using uh, super speed. Super speed. Yeah, yep. and. And so there's a lot of these these little things that uh, that are kind of in there, um, and then they have the powers, and uh, you know like um, you know flight, heat vision, microscopic vision, power reserve, uh, sealed systems, uh, skin armor, super breath, uh, you know all these different things. Um, sealed systems it, is basically survival in outer space in this game. Yeah. And then limitations, uh, in his case, the limitation is he can only use one of those powers at a time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so the way of kind of it, like basically, you know, on a turn, you can only use one power. Mm-hmm. And I would say as the game master there, because Joe has been caught between changing powers before and not acting yeah. quick enough, I would, it takes like part of an action for him to decide to turn off a power and turn on another power because he's been caught between power shifts before yeah. in, in writing. I would oh, say absolutely. They're, they're, while some of those may be automatic things, he, he's going to have to take at least part of his action to shift. What's what I'm curious. What's his intelligence? His INT. Oh, it's uh, uh, it, negative five. I think it oh, says stop. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, yeah but it's how's how, his acting skill. It's a five. Oh, you know what? It's this was written um, before that story. Oh. No, this um, is from the twenty nine ninety five oh, source. Okay, so what yeah. is his acting uh, skill? Uh, they they don't have it. See, this this is why I, I think the, 
they were very quick about writing these um, all these write-ups up, and it really yeah. takes someone who knows the character's history to write a real one. I was looking at Karate Kid earlier. But, but it was written by Tom Beerbaum. <laughs> but, you know. But eh, maybe he didn't do that part of it. Maybe. Maybe. Right? Like, like, he probably, yeah. I mean, the actual character generation and stuff was probably done by someone else. Probably at the gaming company, yeah. I'm yeah. looking at Karate Kid right now, and it says he has the powers jumping of one, which means he can jump twice as far or twice as high as a regular human. That makes sense for Val, but I would also yeah. argue he needs the power detect, as in detect enemy flaw, because that has yeah. been built up as a new power of his over time yeah. in, in the canon. And that Absolutely. power might be like at 20, because Karate Kid has been known to defeat enemies way more powerful than he is at times when you just look at that stuff. So. Who saved the world from Grimbor's uh, planetary chain? Mm. Be the Karate Kid, baby. Damn so. right. You're damn right. Um, yeah, so I mean, and the neat thing is, is like with this, they did the source books where they gave you a lot of background. Mm-hmm. And and this was kind of an added bonus, you know, coming out of uh, of the crisis as we did, there were a lot of stories that hadn't really been told mm-hmm. and um and so they actually filled in a lot of the blanks in these and they would consult and it's like so what is the story about this and and they actually give you the whole sort of background of of the justice league for example and this was before mark wade's year one came out and so you get into the whole idea that it's yeah it's black canary and they they give you like alternate versions of some classic stories that it's like here's how it would have happened on this new earth Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was great. I mean, and and like the Titans one was fantastic for that because it kind of uh, went back and it's like okay, with all of this uh, you know Titans of Myth stuff in mind, what does that? How does that change some of the stories uh, that happened in the past? And like, what's the new? What's the new continuity? And so they did a lot of work on that. And they you know they worked with. Uh, Various editors as consultants and, and and various writers. In the case of of the the Legion twenty nine ninety five source book, uh, it, Tom and Mary Beerbaum wrote it, and mm-hmm. uh, so they gave us all that background and uh, stuff that that didn't make it into the uh, into the book because they just weren't able to. And, yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't able to get there. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a lot of. Uh, of really great information in these and they, yeah, the source books I, I found fantastic reading outside of any, any kind of game playing. Um, mm-hmm. they became kind of my favorite thing to pick up, uh, when they were still available, you know, like I say, the Titans one, the swamp thing one, um, was, was kind of what got me back into swamp thing because, it, uh, you know, I, I, cause I hadn't read any of the Alan Moore stuff at that point. And uh, and I got that, and it was like, oh wow, this sounds really interesting. I want to read these books. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know, it was it, that was a smart thing for uh, for DC, right? Is is um, is that hey, it gives us an opportunity to reach people that we maybe haven't reached before, but it also you know, like like people like me who were who were lapsed readers over over time, and uh, and that helped to bring me back in. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think gaming enables you to take whatever you know yeah. genre you're into. Uh, you could play the Wild West with Jonah Hex. 
Absolutely. You know, you, you don't have to stick to superheroes. You can do you could do a uh, a hard scrabble detective story with Nathaniel Dusk. Yeah. You know, there, there's yeah. all kinds of things that this opens yourself up to because comics are a medium, not a genre. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Neil, Neil Gaiman is famous for saying that, but you can yeah. play anybody from Sandman to, uh, you know, Jason Todd, never killed by the Joker. Yeah. You, you, you can rewind the clock here. And it's, it is an amazing way to open up your, your imagination. I think oh, in definitely. ways, in ways that it challenges a game, uh, a, a game master like myself. And it, it challenges players to think ahead, especially someone who's not as familiar with like DC as I would be running. Yeah. A game. I would have yeah. to ease them into it. And of course, in their third, their third game session, I would have to have a big superstar game, uh, a guest star, you know, because that's what happens in the comics. Yeah. This is your third book. So now we're going to have a guest star, be it Batman or Superman or whoever, who's appropriate here. You know, let's let's work them in as, a, as just a super quick guest star to save their bacon for the first time, because now they're going to be in trouble, you know. Yeah. And, and they get introduced and OK, move on. It, it's that kind of stuff. I love playing the long game. I love I love. And yeah. if you're not a fan of critical role for D&D. It's a lot of stuff to watch and listen to or whatever. But their first. Um, their first season on on Amazon Prime is really excellent. It kind of distills one of the arcs that they did in role playing in Dungeons and Dragons, right? And it's it's really fun. And the second season's coming on in January. I can't not wait. Um, yeah, I know my nipples this is are awesome. No, I so, love this. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. I I just think it's a way for us to get together in a way that's not constructed because. We talk. You hear RPG. You hear this word, and everyone thinks computer game now because right. Warcraft it's true. Yeah. and um, you know, all, all the other RPGs. And DC actually has an RPG out there. The DC massively multiplayer online role playing game is still online and still still trucking. But when you when you're stuck with the computer interface, while the graphics may be great, you're you're still limited to how many things you can do because the program yeah. is just so wide, right? So. Yeah. When you get with people, you're surprised by what they do, and they're surprised by what you're going to do. And so it keeps yes. you – I think it fires your neurons and synapses a little quicker because you're forced to be more on your game. Basically. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's our intro to our Very nice. And we will very talk nice. more about it very soon. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, it, it's been interesting to sort of get an idea of the uh, history of gaming. And, oh, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, um, so going to do a little, uh, <laughs> uh, um, a little uh, Legion history this mm-hmm. week in Legion history. And after this, I do remind me to do feedback. Um, yeah. All right. So 45 years ago. Uh, November 21st, 1977, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, Volume 1, Issue 236. In a trio of stories, the Legion tries to stop the wordsmith from disastrously reshaping the surface of Brawl. Monel must stop a Kuhn juggernaut ship. While visiting the and then while visiting uh, the Science Police Academy on Titan, Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad enter a Sensicomp stimula- simulator to help them make a decision between marriage and leaving the Legion, or remain single and stay with the team. And we covered this in episode 448. 25 years ago, 
uh, November 26, 1997. Action Comics 741. Lex Luthor reads a cautionary tale to his infant daughter. Members of the Legion of Superheroes appear. Uh, Brainiac 5 created an artificial life form by jo- uh, joining two powerful computers called Computo. C-O-M-P-U-T-O. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Electric Blue Superman and the Legion determine where Computo will attack next. Superman accuses Lex Luthor of attacking Metropolis. Lex protests that Superman is always accusing him without evidence. And the Legion reveals that they have never heard of Lex or LexCorp in the future. And that is uh, sometime around fall of 2025. Um, November 26, 1997, Legion of Superheroes Secret Files number one, featuring a new retelling of the Legion's origin, revealing some never-before-told details of the case that brought the heroes together. In addition, Lost Pages reveal the Legion Espionage Squad's top-secret induction tests. A timeline puts the future history of the team in perspective, and a tour of the all-new Legion Outpost uh, reveals the high-tech features of this 30th century masterpiece. <laughs> Plus, a pin-up section that includes a two-page pin-up of the Legion's Ooh. full membership, an interview with Legion liaison Schwan Aaron, and much more. And this, again, eh, September and fall of 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, also on uh, November 26, 1997, uh, Legion of Superheroes Volume 4, Issue 100. With the help of Superman and the Martian Manhunter, the Legion is able to free Cosmic Boy from Computo. Cosmic Boy then enters the time portal to recruit the rest of the Legionnaires to help them finally defeat Computo once and for all. The Legion then returns to the 30th century at last, allowing Pharaoh and Coco to come with them. Uh, In the second story, it's Legion Day, and the team's fans show up in force to celebrate. Only the newly arrived Pharaoh seems blue. He relates a story to a kind old man who comforts Pharaoh and tells him what an asset he is to the Legion. After Pharaoh contentedly joins the Legion parade, the old man transforms back to Chameleon, who gives us a naughty wink. In the third story, the Legion inaugurates its new orbital outpost, Outpost Allen, named after the fallen Leviathan. The story gives us a tour of the Legion's support staff on um, on permanent monitor duty. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. You said Uh, duty. uh, uh, Sorry, a tour of the facilities and takes a peek at the Legionnaire's private lives in the process. Magno decides to stay as a member of the Legion's support staff on permanent monitor duty. In the fourth story, Brainiac 5 dreams a ghost called Clarence, who looks like the Time Trapper, shows him a timeline where he never joined the Legion. Uh, I see what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Legionnaires are happy kids having fun with their superhero club. And Coco is back in the past hosting a talk show with his expanded intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady confronts Clarence with how he undercut his own objectives by showing him a better past, at which point he wakes up. In the fifth story, Sister Andromeda flies into a gravity well, hoping to get closer to God. Suddenly, an inexplicable projection of, of a giant Andromeda appears on the Legion's doorstep, asking for Monel to come. He agrees, and they vanish together. The Legion is determined to follow them somehow. The issue also includes a number of pinups, many of which could be termed Elseworlds, explained on the credit page as trips in the Legion VR room. 
And that is, again, Round Fall 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 years ago, November 21st, 2007, Action Comics 859, Superman and the Legion of Superheroes Part 2 of 6, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Cosmic Boy examine the ruins of the Batcave in 3008, um, searching for evidence that Krypton exists. The Justice League appears and attacks, defeating the trio and proclaiming that they're only interested in writing the lies that the Legion has been spreading about Superman. Wildfire tells Superman of how Absorbency Boy, after being rejected from the Legion, changed his name to Earthman and perpetuated the myth that Superman was a human and hated aliens, a lie that has brought about the Legion's desperate situation. Superman and the three then go to an alien holding camp in an attempt to rescue Brainiac 5, and we covered that way back in episode 15. Mm. Um, also that day, uh, Legion of Superheroes in the 31st century, uh, number eight. Two's company, three's a crowd, unless you triplicate a girl. Find out what happens when you combine a first date, a stubborn supervillain suitor, and one very long night of modern duty. Oh, mm, duty again. Wow. Uh, uh, 10 years ago, November 21st, 2012. Uh, Legion of Superheroes, Volume 7, Number 14. Element Lad tries to take Chemical Kid under his wing as they go after the mercenaries that injured Cosmic Boy, but both Legionnaires soon find themselves in over their heads. Meanwhile, Brainiac 5 tries to discover what caused their teammate, Comic Queen, to betray the Legion to the Dominators. Uh, that We covered that in Episode 216. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, five years ago, um, no, uh, November 20th, uh, 2017 Supergirl episode, uh, the, in a Supergirl episode, season three, episode seven, wake up, uh, Supergirl and friends discover a, uh, submarine type machine that's been in national city Harbor for over 12,000 years. Turns out the Monel is inside with some friends. The end mm. of season two. He was sucked through a wormhole into the future, <laughs> and he found himself stuck in the 31st century where he made friends and got married to a woman named Imra. Plus, mm. other things happen. Ah, yay. Really, 1,000 years from now, November 22nd, 3022, from 1940, Dr. Fate sees a vision of the JSA HQ in 3022 and watches the death of his 31st century counterpart, as well as that era's Adam and Green Lantern. And that occurred just recently in uh, New Golden Age number one. Mm. And there we go. That is this week in Legion history. Woohoo! Excellent so, job, sir. It's almost uh, as well. Michael sent us those notes. Almost. Almost <laughs> as uh, Do we have feedback? Yes, we do. And... Uh, all right, let me start off here. Uh, right. Uh, from Phil Lehman, uh, talking about uh, our episode with the commentary on Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Uh, he says, I like the audio, co- audio commentary of Justice League versus the Fatal Five, even though I listened to it uh, while commuting. I'll watch the movie with the commentary this weekend. That's Sarah's dedication. I appreciate that. Um, I also really enjoyed last week's episode with Jim's Legion analogs and Legion likes. I'll have to seek the Pantheon of Heroes and the Quantum Age from Black Hammer for further reading. I found the idea of a Legion Legion Forever lineup fascinating. It was great hearing your picks. Here's mine. 
uh, Lightning Lass from her earliest Silver Age appearances. Um, Element Lad, and he's he specifies Bronze, Bronze Age. Uh, Dream Girl and White Witch, uh, circa the Great Darkness Saga. Senator Tenzel Kem and the Legion of Substitute Heroes from the 1985 special. I love that special. That's Same. a fun book. Uh, Tellus and Quizlet. Kent Shakespeare. Kid Quantum 2 and Leviathan. Mm. Shadow Lass from the Three Boots. And uh, Chameleon Girl and Gates from Legion Lost. And then uh, the Bendis era Brainiac Five. So he's got he's done a good job of getting through each, making of covering sort of each major era. Yeah, good job. Nice. He says, I know that's about twenty, but I wanted a big enough group to earn the name Legion. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Not sure how they formed. The common factor is that all of the Legionnaires selected are fun to draw. Mm. That's neat. And uh, so long live the Legions. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh thank you very much phil that's awesome um all right let's see here ah from our uh friend al sedano now uh, he says greetings legionnaires and happy thanksgiving to you all except paul <laughs> happy second thanksgiving to you uh, uh, oh that's true he knows my trick mm-hmm. um Uh, First of all, nice job, Jim, on leading the discussion of all the alternate legions that have shown up over the years. I didn't even know about half of them and might have to start picking up some Big Bang comics now if I see them. Um, Yeah, I I think you can't go wrong with that, for sure. Um, In answer to your questions and comments about the Alan Moore run of Supreme, yep, it gets tricky trying to get them all, what with this changing of publishers, random stops, and weird numbering, but here goes. Yeah. so uh, Supreme 41 and 42, it says Image Comics, 43 to 48, Maximum Press. Then, um, I'm confused. Uh, Supreme 49 to 51, 52A, 52B, 53 to 56. Supreme The Return, 1 to 6. Then he says Judgment Day, Alpha Omega, Final Judgment Aftermath. Huh? Oh, I guess this is a listing of these are the these are the parts that Alan Moore did. Yeah, ah, gotcha. Okay, the awesome holiday special, the awesome preview, <laughs> um, Young Blood one and two special exclusive edition, Glory Zero, uh, um, Alan Moore's Awesome Universe uh, handbook, and all of those came out through Awesome Comics, as you might have guessed. Uh, and then there's Glory Zero to Two from Avatar. And there are also three trades, two for Supreme and one for Judgment Day, published by Checker, but the binding is shit on them. Read them a few times and they start to fall apart. That was a problem with a lot of early uh, image trades as well. Yes. like Or early mid-period. You know, like, um, I got a bunch of the Bendis ones at the time. Like, um uh torso and uh jinx and a couple of others and they are very very near falling apart when and like and it doesn't take more than a, more than one read like mm. there's a couple of them where it's like 
I don't know. I don't think I'm going to get to the end of this without it falling apart on me. The binding Yikes. was horrendous. Yeah, no, that's not brutal. good. That's um, not good. <clears throat> so. Um, Wait, where was I? Oh, yeah. And then he says, on to 735, Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Bloodsport wasn't threatening threatening the current president. He was actually talking to JFK because he wanted President Kennedy to come out and prove the assassination attempt was a fake. Right. Might have been a dig at at QAnon. (laughs) No, it was before. Mm. Well before. Well, not well before. I I guess Trump was president, so... I guess but maybe. again, there's a there's a time frame it takes for them to do these things, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think it was just was part of the world anyway before then. So I think it was just nuts. I think that was the the, the, the takeaway. That's why I went <laughs> no. to Arkham. Yeah, and that's what he says is, but mostly to show why he was taken to Arkham and not some federal holding facility. Yes, yes. He believed he says, Kennedy was still alive and that he wanted to, him to show that he was. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and he says, as for my guess as to why Jessica took the fatal three to Oa and didn't just dump them in space, well, weren't G- GLs supposed to be honest and fearless or able to overcome fear? My guess is she just gave, she gave her word to take them there. No promises about not trying to set a trap once she got there, though. Finally, here's my Legion Forever team, made up by members who only got to be part of one version each. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, for the original, he uh, had TELUS. Five years later, Kent Caputo. Um, uh, For the reboot, Kinetics. The three-boot, Gazelle. Second time she's coming up in this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the retro boot, Dragon Wing. Yeah, yeah. and then the Bendis uh, version, uh, Monster Boy. So there you go. There is a uh, there is a a collection of Legionnaires that get to be now in one other version. Very. Uh, even if only in Al's mind. Sure. And, uh, and uh, so he signs off. Al Sedano, host of Resurrections, a Captain Comet and Gigantus <laughs> podcast. What? I just, it's obviously, it's a, yeah, an Adam yeah. Warlock and, uh, and Thanos, <laughs> but actually that works really well. Uh, but no, these are characters, of course, uh, that we've been dealing with over on the L-E-G-I-O-N podcast, uh, where um, Captain Comet has made a return, you know, because he had died, and then mm. he got better. I'll take a drink. Take a drink. And, uh, and yes, Gigantus has been showing up of late. So that's just the, uh, the stage of rebels that we're at right now. And, uh, and Al has also, um, he's done one and he's got actually, we've got another one kind of on deck. Um, and, uh, but he's been doing a, uh, a deep dive into the history of Captain Comet. Oh, sweet. And so there was an episode, it was about a month or two back, uh, where he did kind of a spotlight on uh, on Captain Comet. And uh, and as I say, we've got another one uh, waiting on deck that we'll, uh, we'll get out sooner or later. And, are they going uh, to cover him getting his nuts crushed by Hitler? Ow. I'll, uh, I'll have to ask about that. I don't know what Sir. you're talking about, Jim. <laughs> the, the Golden Age. Didn't you ever read the Golden oh, Age? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Oh, ooh, was that? That was Captain Comedy's the first Silver Age superhero. 
Yeah, yeah, he shows up at the end. And, and, he, and he, 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 he comes to the rescue, and uh, Dynaman, who has Hitler's mind, crushes his nuts right before uh, Liberty Bell saves the day. That's not right. That ain't right. Mm-mm. It's a hell of a thing. Hell it of a is. Thing. That's why you wear a steel uh, cup, kids. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. When you're on your media, you have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Anyway, thank you very much for the feedback, folks. Um, And uh, we will, uh, we have, uh, there's much more to say about gaming, and we'll get into some of the more Legion specific stuff. But uh, I think it's great that we got to do a little little history of that because there's a lot of stuff I had no idea about. Little intro. Little intro. Yep. Exactly. No, it was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for pulling that together. You're and, welcome, um, and, uh, so yeah, we'll go, we'll get into those further. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know what the schedule is. So, uh, uh I think next I week we're going to talk about, um, one of the Legion source books, the one that covers the cats. Right. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, folks. So you can, uh, tell us, uh, your favorite board game and, uh, send that to us at Legion of substitute podcasters at gmail.com. You're like, you know, you 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 uh, you're you're trying to figure out which uh, piece uh, to to take out in operation, <laughs> and uh, you can uh, <laughs> let Trauma. us just know Trauma. all about which can be found at uh, Facebook dot Leech of Substitute Podcasters dot com. <laughs> Uh, you may be thinking, um, I've got an awesome uh, opening move in Chaturanga. Chaturanga, yeah. Chaturanga. And uh, you can share that with us on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, and you can tell us, um, well, is this your card? Hmm. And- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, that is at legionsubstitutepodcasters.com where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble. And I get in first because I rolled for initiative. Wow. And, um, and oh, now I've got to defend against that pink fuzz. Mm. And we will see you all next week. So I'm going to guess it's Colonel Mustard in the dining room with the lead pipe. Nope. You're wrong. How do you know I'm wrong? Because we're playing Monopoly. <laughs>